all-new, crisp, cool, refreshing Cano Tambos. A complete affordable library of tambourine loops from 50 to 154 beats per minute. Pop the top and add instant life and dynamics to any mix. Used by the top producers, engineers, and recording artists of today. Simply drag and drop. With multiple bit depths and sample rates to choose from, you'll never have to record another tambourine again. Visit canotambos.com. That's C-A-N-O-T-A-M-B-O-S.com and enter promo code Turned Up. One word, Turned Up, for 20% off. Cano Tambos. There are artists that are not known to have done covers. However, some of their biggest hit songs are, in fact, covers. We were out not getting paid anything opening up for bands. That all of a sudden put us in a position where we could go out, headline, sell out consistently for a year and a half, every night, wherever we go, and pay bills. Just so you know, it is against the law to post a cover video without a license on YouTube. Broadcasting from Nashville, Tennessee, offering a glimpse inside the music industry, shedding light on things they don't want you to know, and exposing some of the industry's biggest secrets. You're listening to the Turned Up Podcast, presented by Real Sound Productions. Here are your hosts, Jake Jones. First things first. Where's your... And Robert Venable. We have to... We have to... to... (laughs) Okay. Top the morning to ya. Is that where we're going this time? It's my fate. Okay. I, I'm thinking about how do I start the podcast every time? I, I start to panic when we hit record <laughs> and I don't know what to say. And I just, that just came out. Okay. I'm sorry. Again, I want lucky charms now. <laughs> well, good afternoon or evening. We always say morning, but I mean, I don't know what time it is right now because this was recorded previously to now. We're, we're talking to the future. We're actually dead. And if you um, happen to see us in public right now, that is a ghost of us because we're hanging out with Elvis and Tupac. My bros. I don't even know what I'm talking about right now. (laughs) But this is the Turned Up Podcast, and we're glad that you're listening. Um, This episode, we are entitling... Well, this episode, we're going undercover. Undercover. Can you tell what this is about? Cover songs, man. Um, episode nine is all about cover songs. Okay, but before you turn the podcast off, let me say we're not just talking about cover songs. No, no, no. We have something. We we have a lot of surprises in store. Actually, we do. And I there are songs that you love, songs that you remember from your childhood, songs that came out uh, a good sixty or seventy years after Robert was born <laughs> by Elvis. That Shut are. Up. That, we're, we're still in the intro and you're already giving me junk about my age. Perfect. <laughs> that our cover song, there are songs, huge songs that you did not know were cover songs. <sighs> there are. And we have a special guest. But before we get to that, Jake Jones sitting right in front of me is uh, not only one of my best friends in the whole wide world. Oh, He's stop it. Producer, engineer, oh, songwriter. don't. I'm just going to keep going on. Multi-instrumentalist. Okay, <laughs> Former guitarist of the rock band We As Human, current guitar player and frontman singer for the band As We Ascend. Also, a shredded cheese historian and amateur Rasputin impersonator. How did you know? I see your YouTube videos that you okay. post. I know you haven't marked as private, but you leave yourself logged in sometimes. When I get to the studio to record the podcast, I'm like, what is Jake posting? I leave it private because I just like those videos to go back and watch them like just by myself. You're getting really good at your Rasputin um, imitations. Uh, sitting in my bathroom currently is Mr. Robert Venable. Are you talking about me? Yes, I'm talking about you. Uh, <laughs> the guy is an award-winning producer, engineer, 
uh, whether it's Grammy nominations, Dove Awards, Gold Records, I, I always say it plural, but there is, I'm sure there is more than one, but there is one physical gold record that he did not have to pay for. We will talk about that later. Oh, yeah. Uh, in his studio at the moment. He is the drummer for As We Ascend. He's an incredible drummer. The guy writes songs. He is an actor. He has his own IMDB page, something oh, I haven't even mentioned before. This, this is the first time this has come up. I got to sit in a movie theater and watch the premiere of That's uh, right. a movie that he's in. You were in the premiere. The movie's called Days of Power. Oh, I was I gonna, actually oh, ruining it. I, I, not only in the movie, I got to mix and do, I produced some of the songs on the soundtrack, but I mixed the, the movie. I mixed the movie. The whole, you know, sound effects and stuff, which is a whole other podcast. Right, which is something we will get to. Uh, little known fact, uh, Robert studies the science of toast. Um, well, it all started with a fascination when I'm, people were seeing, you know, Mother Mary and Jesus in toast um, when they came out of the toaster. Is that a coincidence? I think not. No, there's a scientific way of, I don't know. I, I just like <laughs> toast. <laughs> Man, I'm really excited about our guest today. Uh, who do we got, Robert? Dude, okay. So a few years ago, I had the privilege and honor of working with a band called Framing Hanley, and you've probably heard their music. Um, I so love that band. The song "Hear Me Now." Check this out. You've heard "Criminal." And we all know you, stupid girl. And there's another song we'll talk about later. But the frontman, guitarist, singer of the band Framing Hanley, Nixon. Dude, thanks so much for joining us on this uh, podcast today. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Absolutely. Uh, it's nice to, to be doing a, a podcast. It's been a minute since I've done one of these. Dude, well, we're, we are honored and... Uh, we will get to you in a second. So what else are we talking about today, Robert? Besides the whole cover songs, popular songs that we, you might not even know were covers, um, I, there are lawsuits involved with these things. There are parodies, the, the science behind it, the laws behind it, what's required. Am I going to get sued for covering a song? Uh, let's, we'll talk you about could. that. You could. You could, and we're going to talk about that too. Uh, basically... A lot about covers, the ins and outs of it, bands who become famous just because of that, uh, YouTube sensations. We're going to cover the whole gamut. First things first. Where's your... Never mind. Um, <laughs> so, Donkey. <laughs> for, for real, though, first things first, what is a cover song? Do you, you may be listening to this and not even know what that is. Um, I explained it to my kids on the way over here. They're, they're sitting in the other room of the studio. Um, I'm like, here, I want you to hear this cover song. And they're like, blank face looked at me. We don't know what that is. Uh, Jake, what, what is, how would you explain what a cover song is? Well, you could get super technical and say that any song written by one person and performed by another is a cover song, but that's not what we're talking about. That's not what is culturally accepted as cover song. A cover song is any song that has been published, has been released, put out by an artist, already exists in recorded form, and then another artist comes along and either performs it or records it or both. That is then they are covering the original artist's song. Gotcha. That's a, that's a cover song. I, I remember my first band I ever played in was a punk ska band. We called ourselves Inspector 34, and we covered you know, a lot of songs um, by Goldfinger or the Boss Tones or all that kind of stuff. Just anything with 
horns and kind of drum beat, you know. Well, and it can be really advantageous for any new band to to record or perform cover songs. And I would say a lot of new bands do perform cover songs because... It's familiar. And it's a good way to, to get to know your band and like decide your sound. Like, can we all play? Let's, let's all just jam on Smoke on the Water or whatever, like just to see where we're at talent-wise yeah. and musical like preference-wise. And if I'm playing a show up at the Rusty Bucket and <laughs> nobody knows who my band is because we're brand new, you know, we're going we're gonna to bust out some, some wagon wheel so that the crowd is like, oh, finally a song I know. And suddenly everybody smiles a little bit and lets their hair down and then like, we'll, we'll be more open to receive your original songs. Yep. Yep. So that's, that's what a cover song is. And that is, yeah, that's, that's a good way of putting it. That's a good why. Why do cover songs? Yeah, that's a good what and why. Um, you know, there are lots of bands. Um, let's, go, let's go to the social media. Let's go to YouTube in particular. Where covers live quite frequently. I mean, that's a good way for amateurs. Maybe you play guitar, piano, or sing really well, um, and you just want people to hear you. But you don't want them to hear your very vulnerable, emotional, private song you had just written. So let's start with you know a Katy Perry cover or something like that, just to kind of break into it. And there are thousands, literally hundreds of thousands of people out there posting videos of themselves covering other people's songs. Yep. Including, I bet you've heard this before. That is the group Boyce Avenue, which literally became famous because of their cover songs on YouTube. That's right. Um, and not only that, you probably could find videos of maybe this artist. These guys are incredible, uh, and I love that they do everything a cappella, and they do it so well. And the, the pentatonics, man, they're, they're huge. And I would say 95% of their songs are songs that they're covering by other artists. That's right. Yeah, so th- that being a music guy, I love a cappella groups. I, I remember the show Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Do you remember that? Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Yep. Yeah, so that was the band was called Rockapella. But they had a whole album. I bought the cassette tape. No, I got it for Christmas. My parents got me Rockapella, uh, the cassette tape, for Christmas. And that song was on it. But then they had, you know, 12 other songs that were originals, I think, that were awesome. I loved the whole acapella thing. Anyway, I digress. Yeah, so uh, these artists are known as cover artists. Yeah, yeah, essentially, that's that's what they're... They're they're just famous because of that, because of other people's successful songs. But did you know that there are artists who are not known as cover bands? There are artists that are not known to have done covers. However, some of their biggest hit songs are, in fact, covers. So this might be my favorite part of the podcast so far, where we're going to talk about songs that you know, but you might not know that they weren't their songs. These songs were actually performed previously by other people or other bands. Yeah. You just might not know that as much as, as well, let's give an example. Well, and again, we're not talking about songs that someone else wrote, you know, like a songwriter right. wrote and then, cause that happens every day. Yeah. Richard Marks writes every song. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about a band, like this was commercially released and then another band came. So the first one I want to talk about, I, I love this song and I had no idea and the spelling is super unfortunate of the name of the song, uh, but that is proper. And it's Come On, Feel the Noise. 
um, by so that was that's quiet right that's right yeah I know I know the song do you know who originally did that song nope because I thought it was quiet right right <laughs> Slade in 1973. Listen to this. This is the original version of Come On, Feel the Boy. Wow. Right? It, now, I mean, here's the version I know. Okay. So this is one, and we teased about this. This is one of the ones I was like, no way. I had no idea. Um, back when I was 80, there was... <laughs> there Wait, was before, a, before the sound recordings existed? Right. I remember tapping this out with rocks and nuts. <laughs> um, there was, <laughs> Natalie Imbruglia, her, her most famous song, um, Torn, this one. So she actually covered a band called Edna Swap. Now check this out. Way different. There it is. The original. Wow. Slower and more indie sounding. Just way different. Holy cow. But that was a cover song that uh, her biggest song, it made her famous and it was somebody else's song. Okay. This one is kind of funny. Uh, Girls Just Want to Have Fun, right? Yeah. By Cindy Lauper. Everybody knows that song. Makes sense. Girls singing it, talking about how girls just want to have fun. That is not Cindy Lauper's song. She That was not the first time that song came out. It was Robert Hazard in 1979. <laughs> Wait, a dude talking a, about... A guy. <laughs> a guy was just singing about girls that want to have fun. Yeah, here it is. Whoa. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. And uh, I, I, I know the Cindy Lauper version. Wow, that is, I, I, I had no idea. I had no idea that that one, that that one wasn't even her song. Yep. Robert Hazard. Interesting. Okay. One of the most famous, uh, just listen, you know, we all know this song. Very superstitious. on the wall. Superstition by Stevie Wonder. You know, he, would, he just, uh, based on last week's Dallas Cowboys game, he said that with everything he saw, they should have a good season. Well, <laughs> have you seen his house? <laughs> Neither Neither is he. He. <laughs> oh, we're going to catch flack for that one. Um, okay. So this one is a little different because we were talking about what defines a cover song. It's a song that's been previously recorded and released. And then, you know, a new artist records and releases it. This is an interesting story. So a guy named Jeff Beck. He was a huge fan of Stevie Wonder. And in the guitar world, Jeff Beck is a legend. Everybody, well, now, at the time, he wasn't. So he is a huge fan of Stevie Wonder and his stuff. They end up getting in contact with each other. And and Stevie Wonder, who at the time was kind of playing a lot of instruments himself on his recordings, saw Jeff Beck and his talent and said, hey, well. heard of Jeff Beck. <laughs> <laughs> heard of Jeff Beck and his talents and said, 
you know, what if we collaborate? And Jeff Beck, of course, being a huge fan, said, yes. And in exchange for that, the deal was, in exchange for working with you on these songs on the Stevie Wonder album, maybe you can co-write a song for me, being Jeff Beck. And he had his own project going on. So that was the agreement. I'll play on your record. We'll write songs together as long as I can use one of the songs for myself. So they wrote this song. He was Jeff Beck was sitting there on the drums, just kind of playing with this little loop. Stevie in the other room goes, wait, 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 keep doing that. And starts improving over it, getting on the boom, 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 like starts playing that riff. And they're just kind of improving. Things are happening, musical magic. And Superstition was written. And I would have loved to have been there in the room. Imagine just that it just comes together and everybody just smiles and looks at each other. Those moments everybody are real. Everybody just smiles and listens to each other. <laughs> I gotta Some sp- people are looking at other people. Some people can't. <laughs> this is horrible. Jerk. So all this magic is happening in the room. And that's the song that Stevie says, okay, this will be your song. So Jeff Beck has this amazing song. Uh, working with the label with his, with his new band. And it, it was a trio. And something happened, and it might have been the delay in getting this record put out for Jeff, um, working with the label, getting it all put together, whatever. Stevie Wonder's management, uh, actually the CEO of Motown, which we have talked about before, Barry Gordy. Right. You remember that podcast? Could have sold that label for more. Oops, big mistake. Uh, He makes the executive decision, hey, Stevie, this is a great song. We're putting it out on your record. So even though, I mean, it was recorded by Jeff Beck and his band officially... To be a Jeff Beck song. Before it came out, Stevie Wonder's record came out with that song on it. So it actually wasn't a Stevie Wonder song. Anyway, I'm kind of blurring the lines there a little bit, but I thought that was interesting. Uh, What other ones are there? Well... Uh, how about It's My Life by No Doubt? Check this out. You know the song. Oh, yeah. Good old Gwen Stefani. Great, great song. Yeah. Um, I like that song. That is not a No Doubt song. That mm-hmm. is a Talk Talk song that came out in 1984. Whoa! Let's hear. Yeah, it sounds totally different. I'm interested. Yeah. What in the world? Yep. (laughs) It's nuts, dude. Yeah, and 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 you can hear all like so many of the same elements. They didn't stray too terribly far away from from the original, and it's it's interesting because you know. So here it is, twenty years later, yeah, and all, you know, almost nineteen years later. But you can still hear the '80s influences. That's, I mean, and that's where it's going now. But I hear that now. I guess listening to it, I can hear that influence. But I, di- I didn't think anything of it. So this next song, I like to make my own lyric revisions to, and have been this last week in the studio every single day that we hop in your car to go to lunch. I, this yeah. song has just been stuck in my head. Oh, which one? I was pleasantly surprised to hear that it's uh, to. That it made our list. And the song is Blinded by the Light. Now, <laughs> That's right. Funny enough, you know the version by Manfred Mann's Earth Band, which I, the name of the band is not all too familiar. That's but a whole the, sentence. But the version itself is. Here it is. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a deuce another owner in the night. Blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a deuce another owner in the night. 
don't even know what the real lyrics are that he's singing there. Well, you're about to hear them because the original artist who released this song sings it much more clearly. And it's Bruce Springsteen all the way back in 1972. Check this out. She was And that was him live at uh, Osbury Park in New I was, Jersey. I was way off with the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I was too, but mine were a little more on purpose. Uh, you know what? I'm going to take this one because this is the one that I was most surprised to find out was a cover song. <sighs> this one, this brings me back to my old karaoke days. And I think everybody has sang this at one point in their <laughs> life because of the high notes. Uh, Whitney Houston, I Will Always Love You. And I will always love you. I will always love now, a lot of the older folks, like my grandkids, might know that <laughs> I'm already I'm just dissing myself now. Um, I have come to the fact where thanks for I, picking up the slack. Yeah, I, I know I'm old. Um, might know that that was a cover song, but I had no idea. And uh, did you know? You know, I actually did. Shut up! I actually did know that 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 was a cover song. I didn't, and you might not know, but it actually was a cover from Dolly Parton. Check it out. bit of a different feel to it right but uh she stuck pretty much to the original melody and i i think i think she did a great job and everybody knows the whitney houston version right did you know that one of elvis's most popular songs hound dog you ain't nothing but a hound ding, dog. Ding, 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 ding. Well, here let me let me play it it's it, he sings it better than me probably you ain't nothing but a hound dog That was a cover by Big Mama Thornton in that, from 1952. <laughs> Here's her original version. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Been snooping around the door. You ain't nothing but a hound dog. Been snooping around the door. I'm sure she was grateful to Elvis. I mean, does anybody know the name Big Mama Thornton? Uh, so... My mom actually does, um, and I did not. Uh, but but she was not surprised to hear this fact. That's, I didn't know the name, and if I were to say, sing a Big Mama Thornton song, I I, I wouldn't know. Wouldn't say. Oh, I, I have one. Okay, go ahead. You ain't nothing but a clever Jake. <laughs> By the way, side note: I do want to thank my mom for listening, and your mom as well, because thanks, mom, because now we're number one again. Currently, right now, as I look at the iTunes charts, we are number one. Thanks, mom. Thanks, mom. Again, you don't have to play it on repeat so many times, but <laughs> <laughs> you know. But there are tons of other songs. Even uh, another one that comes straight to mind that we, you know we don't have to play, but uh, Patsy Cline's "Crazy, Crazy, Crazy, crazy for, for Feeling." Yeah. So uh, that's a that's a Willie Nelson song. You know, I like Willie Nelson. I do too. Those were some interesting things, in my opinion. Right. 
so that I had no idea that 99% of those were cover songs. I so, knew one of them. So now that you know, as you're driving in your car or sitting in your bedroom, eating ice cream alone in bed under the covers, listening to this podcast, guilty, uh, <laughs> you're, you're suddenly thinking to yourself, wait, I can record a cover song, release it and become famous and make millions. And the truth is you actually can. It's possible. It happens. These are all great examples. And we'll get to our guest Nixon from Framing Hanley in a moment. Uh, who his band did something quite similar. Yeah, we'll get to that. Um, but, but I mean, if I want to record a cover, what do I have to do? I'm sure like contact lawyers and labels. Like, what what does that entail? What so do I need? It's actually not that complicated. Um, you don't have to have permission from the copyright owner. And let me say, first off, uh, it doesn't matter who wrote the song. Whoever owns the copyright is who owns the song. Okay. So you don't have to get permission. Uh, simply once uh, once an original song has been published, a mechanical license is purchased and paid to the author or copyright holder, whoever that is, uh, of the song in order to re-record it as a cover. Wait, wait, wait. What? A mechanical license. That's right. Like in order to work on a Chevy? <laughs> well, that's right. <laughs> you just go get yourself a, a Crescent Ranch and, and then go down and get your fishing license and your mechanical license. Crescent Ranch and a Crescent Roll. That's all you need. No, that's not what it is. And if you work in the music industry for any length of time in the realm of songs and songwriting, you will hear the term mechanical license. Uh, it's simply a license that is purchased from the copyright holder and grants certain limited permission to the license holder to reinterpret, improve upon, cover, cover. etc. Yeah. Um, uh, any song. And uh, mechanical licenses are typically purchased through an organization that distributes the money to the appropriate rights holders. Gotcha. Uh, and so you can go to, you know, XYZ company and say, you know, how much for mechanical license. So the licenses are purchased based on how many copies of the song that you will likely sell. Uh, for example, if I think I'm going to sell 1000 copies of my cover of I kissed a girl by Katy Perry, uh, that you can listen on iTunes soon, they might give you like a price for that thousand Maybe. They will, and it's actually not very much. It's like 10 bucks or something. Oh, wow. Um, but I purchased a license that legally allows me to sell exactly 1,000 copies of that song. Uh, and then once I've sold 1,000 copies, I then have to go purchase another license. Like renegotiate that. And exactly. Say, hey, this is selling a lot. Let's do 10,000 now. And it's really not that complicated if you use someone like CD Baby, um, which if you're a musician and you've released any sort of music, you're familiar with CD Baby. They're a really common company. Um, or disc makers, then you can just purchase your license through them. They'll take care of it. Wow. And, uh, and so, yeah, so you're like, I'm going to order a thousand CDs. They'll say, okay, you say, well, I have this cover song on it. They'll say, awesome. Well, then it will charge you an extra 10 bucks to pay the mechanical license for these 1,000 CDs that you've purchased. Huh. So Richard Cheese, one of my favorite cover artists, um, does lounge versions of popular <laughs> rock and pop songs, which I think is kind of hilarious. Um, but so he just pays a Richard mechanical- Cheese. He's <laughs> a mechanical royalty for the songs he wants to cover and, and I guess guesstimates about how many they're going to sell and then kind of just adjusts that number if it takes off or doesn't do well. And it's unfortunate. Um, uh, you know, one of my good friends and my, my own publisher, his name is Chad Green. We're going to get him on this podcast one of these days. Um, oh, yeah. He's the uh, president and CEO of Shoalsville uh, Music Publishing. That's right. Um, so he is incredibly knowledgeable about these things. And he said, you know, unfortunately, People, you know, an independent artist, you're lucky if they purchase mechanicals at all. 
And then if they do, it's usually for the first run and then they forget about it or just they're like, whatever. And they don't ever buy more. So is that like a lawsuit thing or do they go, oh, no, okay, you have to go back and pay the mechanical licenses now? Or is it like, no, you owe us millions because you didn't do this right. Do you know? Well, I mean, it depends. If you're selling millions and millions of albums and you didn't pay for the mechanicals, they're probably going to call a lawyer because there's some money to be made there. Gotcha. If you sell a thousand copies of an album and didn't pay your $10 for your mechanical license, you know, honestly, as an artist, I will say you're just hurting the artist by doing that. Right. And I mean, there's a sense of flattery there too, though. I mean, that someone wants to cover your song. Sure. Oh, totally. Uh, there, there absolutely is. Um, just, just pay, pay the mechanical. Um, huh. cause if it's a really popular song, you might have, a hundred people buying $10 licenses, you know, to, to sell a thousand copies. All of a sudden that money can, can add up. It's, you know, you're getting compensated for the the song that you put out. Anyway, I digress. Um, I do want to say, I thought this was really interesting. A song is a separate entity from a song recording. Those are two different things that are owned independently of one another. So there's a separate copyright for a song than there is for the recording of a song. Interesting. And so when you purchase a mechanical license to cover a song, you're purchasing a license for the song, not the, not recording. the recording. That makes sense. Yeah. And so like, you know, artists like Kanye West who sample a lot of other songs um, have to buy a license to sample the recording. Like Gold Digger. Right. Now, uh, fun fact, if, if the sample of the song that they use has lyrics and melody in it, you know, so say I'm sampling, uh, so say I'm Kanye West and I'm sampling Daft Punk's harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. It's got the music from the song and then it's got the lyric and melody from the Daft Punk song as well. I have to buy a license for both. I have to buy a license for the recording that I'm featuring in my song. Then I also have to buy a license for the actual song itself that I'm featuring in my song. That's so many strings to pull just to cover a song, but not, I mean, not really, but that's just hurting my brain. Sure. Well, and, and again, there are organizations that make it really easy. You just simply go and say, Hey, I'm I sampled the song. How much is going to cost me? You know, they'll say, all right, well, how many copies of your album are you going to sell? I'm Kanye West. I'm going to sell a million because I'm the king of rock. Now, do you, do you know the answer to this is what if a song's public domain? Do you still need to, I mean, you don't have to pay a mechanical, mechanical royalty. If it's public domain, like, like, like the happy birthday song. No, you don't. Because public domain, it's it's there to use for free, right? I mean, essentially, we don't, there, I mean, there's no one to pay a mechanical royalty to. Correct. It makes sense. Yeah, there's the public domain, and, and uh, there's a lot of songs that are public domain. You know, they're usually really old, but a lot of hymns, right. uh, they're old enough that they're public domain. And that's why in Christian music, especially in, in music that you sing at church, there's new lyrics and new melodies and things written. And then maybe in the bridge or a verse, they'll incorporate part of a hymn. It all of a sudden breaks into a different song. Right. For part of it that's familiar and then goes back to different verses. That, yeah, that all makes sense now. Yep. And because there's no one to pay. Go to church, people. Go to church. <laughs> uh, okay. I thought this was funny. Um, so in, in all kinds of musical contracts, uh, I just signed one uh, for, for this publishing deal. I actually just did too. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations to you. So the, the term in there that is referring to the recordings is phono record. Yes. I saw that in the contract. And I had to ask about that. Right. So I looked it up and you can't, you know, contracts are as literal, especially music contracts. I'm sure any contract, but it is as literal as it can possibly be. For instance, 
uh, when they have to define what region of the world is this contract actually <laughs> like valid in? Is it just in the state of Tennessee? Is it in the United States? Is it worldwide? And in contracts now, they will put the universe. So they will define right. region as the universe. Um, and that, so then that blanket's a, a big territory, <laughs> just in case you sign a five-year contract. And in two years, they invent a spaceship that can travel to uh, another galaxy. Oh, uh, you are still bound by your contract because you are still within the realm of the universe. Now, if you can hop into a parallel universe, you can get out of that contract. Like stranger things, like stranger things. So if we were to perform that song in the upside down, we wouldn't have to pay any kind of, you would be, you would be exempt from your contract. Any fees for getting out of that contract? That's perfect. Okay, so let's go. <laughs> so we got to find a tree we can crawl into. Right. <laughs> so Phono Record, they had to. The law finally said, as as all these new mediums of of music, uh, you know, storage are are coming about. There's MP3 players and hard drives and computers and CDs and records. And all the things. All the things. Uh, finally, they just said, you know what? Phono Record just means any sort of musical storage device. Period. Any from kind now of until forever tangible recorded medium of music so if you ever sign any kind of publishing or recording contract and you see phono record on there it just means all things <laughs> the more you know the more you know dun, i thought that dun, was interesting dun, dun. they still use the old 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 term all right so what happens if you know like on youtube all these covers are happening now, I'm sure all of these people are not obtaining mechanical licenses they're not most of the time they're not so, I mean, lawsuits? What's going to happen with those? Right. Well, most of the time, if you post a, a cover of a song on YouTube, you're going to get a few hundred plays, at the most, maybe a few thousand. That's, that's most cases. The mechanical license on that for streams and blah, 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 like it's just, it's so minimal. And there's so many of them. Any record label or publishing company is going to spend more money trying to track down all their little pennies to collect on those licenses then it's even worth not that we condone this at all but not getting permission you're probably not going to get the attention of a major label hunting you down for those royalties um, unless you blow up that's true and i will say just so you know it is illegal it is against the law to post a cover video without a license on youtube uh, and i'm saying that as a songwriter you know you should at least know what you're doing um, if you're going to do it <laughs> right. But in 2013, several major publishers, um, I think headed off maybe by Warner chapel, one of the biggest, mm. um, all banded together. And they noticed that, that YouTube covers were getting to be really, really popular. And so there is a YouTube channel called full screen, uh, that hosts a lot of YouTube covers. There are a lot on there and they promote them. Right. And so a lot of these videos are getting millions and millions of streams. Right. Because as soon as one ends, the next one will start. The right. New one, the next newest one they want you to see. And so people, people will go to full screen, the YouTube channel to, to listen to these covers. So all of these publishers banded together and did actually file a lawsuit against full screen. It would normally it would be YouTube's job to purchase the license. Oh, okay. Uh, but because YouTube is essentially a an open platform that allows anyone to upload their own videos, whenever you click that you agree to their terms and services, one of the things that you're agreeing to is that you will, of your own volition, purchase... Obtain the license. Yep. And so YouTube huh. washes their hands. So 
So these, you know, these songwriters essentially are losing money because all these people are, are covering their songs, which is what any songwriter wants, but they're not getting paid for it. And so they did file a lawsuit and, uh, you know, the last anyone heard they were going to settle and then things kind of started falling apart and, uh, and they've come to some sort of agreement now. And I don't know what that is. If you know, hit us up on our socials and let us know. Um, so we can clarify, but that's just to say your, your cover videos start to gain some traction and attention. They will come after you. Um, scary by the way. Right. Okay. We've been talking about covers and performing other people's songs have already been performed. What about taking cover songs, covering a song, but changing the words, making it funny? My favorite, Weird Al. Which we were listening to in your truck last night. Yeah, um, which has been my favorite, I guess, if you want to call it parody artist, uh, since as long as I can remember. And just taking popular songs like Michael Jackson's Bad and turning it into I'm Fat, I'm Fat, instead of (laughs) I'm Bad, I'm Bad. And He's also done songs like Foil, which is a, a cover or a parody of Lord's song, Royals. Well, who doesn't know Amish Paradise? Uh, yeah. It's gangsters. gangster's paradise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, makes me laugh every time. Um, Gump, which is a cover of Lump. Um, but how, do, how does that work? How do parodies work as far as covers go? Do you know? Right. Well, I mean, and parodies aren't necessarily always funny or intended to be funny, although that is kind of what they're known for. There's even a Christian band called the apologetics that does Christian parodies and they're not the only ones, uh, but they do Christian parodies of popular rock and pop songs. Um, right. And I've, I've heard teachers play educational parodies. It helps kids remember it because the melody is familiar, familiar to them, song. but the lyrics might be the periodic elements or something. I don't know. Right. Well, I thought this was uh, again, after talking with, with Chad, I learned it doesn't matter how much time you spend rewriting those lyrics or how clever they are uh, for your parody of Katy Perry's I Kissed a Girl. Um, it is still not your song and you still don't get credit for it. You still don't get songwriting royalties for it. Whoa. It still is a parody is still technically a cover on paper. So if I rewrite all of the lyrics to a chain smoker song or something, all of them, 100% of the lyrics are now my lyrics about lizards um i am not the songwriter you're not the songwriter i am not even a co-songwriter nope huh now i say nope uh an example of something similar is uh justin cordell uh from our previous band we as human wrote a song um called burn it down and we were going to put it on the record on, on the we as human record we wound up not doing it so black veil brides came along heard the song loved it uh, and wanted to change the lyrics. So essentially, they rewrote 99% of the words to the song, but kept the same melody, kept the music roughly the same. Now, that could have technically been considered a parody or a cover. We as human never released the song, and they did have an inner agreement that they would just bring him in as a songwriter on the song and then take it from, you know, Justin Coral had written it with, uh, another gentleman named Mark Holman, and uh, and they would just bring him in as a third writer, and so they just split it three ways evenly. So you can you can agree on whatever. So the song that they actually came out with that was "Burn It Down" uh, became the song "Heart of Fire." Now you said uh, Mark Holman. 
Fun fact, his brother is Justin Holman, who was on our very first episode of Turned Up Podcast. That's uh, right. From the band Revis. So, and the band Holman. So check that out. Two, two very talented songwriters and their brothers. And they even kind of sound the same when they talk. That family, man. So talented. Um, okay, I think it's time. I think now is the time that we bring in our very special guest, Nixon. He's just been sitting there playing with his belly button. <laughs> Nixon from the band Framing Hanley. What's up, man? What's going on, man? How you guys doing? Ah, doing good. It is uh, great for you to actually be on the phone with us today and talk about some stuff that we are interested to hear about. Other than this cold. Oh, yeah. Jake's got a cold. Let's shed some light on Framing Hanley. Framing Hanley, mm-hmm. um, you guys started... Uh, the band Embers Fade, like mid 2000s, right? Somewhere around there? Yeah, 2000, 2006, 2005, 2006, more like there. And then um, you guys did some demos, did some songs, some recording, um, and put them up. That was when MySpace was a thing, right? And had them yeah. probably on your little music player on your page? Yeah, absolutely. On MySpace, when MySpace was still around, which I don't know how many people remember that now. <laughs> Kids, you can which Google I still it. Which was the best thing for music, like better than Facebook. It, you know, treats artists and 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 bands. Not to get you guys in trouble with your podcast here on <laughs> burying or Facebook, but I mean, just the reach that you had. You know, you didn't have to pay to reach your fan base. It was like you do now. Social media was brand new, and yeah, you could go to someone's MySpace page and a song could start playing like whatever song you chose to be your profile song, or you could have a player, like you could choose for it to play automatically or just have them hit play. And you could force anybody who looks at your page to hear your music. And it meant something. You went to someone's page and you heard the music that they chose and that shaped your idea of who they were. Right. Absolutely. Or you're like, oh man, that guy's having a really rough time with his girlfriend again. I can tell from the song that he's, he's playing on his page. <laughs> Stupid girl or something. <laughs> yeah. Now so, we just get subtweets and, and terrible uh, Facebook statuses instead to let us know that about our friends. Right. Um, so <laughs> h- how did that, if at all, um, blossom into Framing Hanley? How did MySpace play a part or did it? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, when we were in Bersfade, uh we had couple tunes up on our page and Brett Hesla, who at the time was the front man for dark new day. Um, he, you know, been yeah. in a band creed before, uh, he, we reached out to him. He, he put out something about, he was looking for, uh, for new bands to work with. We reached out to him through, you know, the MySpace, uh, bulletin. I think that's what they were calling that he posted. Yes. We were responding. We were like, Hey, we're, we'd be interested in, in working with you. And he went to our page and, he uh, listened to the terrible songs that we had posted when we were under spade. <laughs> and for some reason, he, you know, he's like, yeah, let's, let's do something. That's what put everything into motion, really. We went down to Florida about a month later and uh, tracked two songs with him. And one of those songs called Wave Goodbye. And the other song was Hear Me Now, which obviously ended up being um, our very first single. And the, and the song that really uh, set, you know, the whole chain of events into motion. So, uh, yeah, I mean, MySpace... 100 we were known really in the industry as a myspace band if you will like you know the, that we were one of those bands that kind of got put on the map through myspace which i think everybody who played in a band wanted to be you wanted to be the band that was discovered through <laughs> myspace i know sean kingston was discovered through myspace uh, i didn't know that I, my band we were i had a band called third morning rise and i remember reaching out to fueled by ramen their myspace page and actually somebody responded and we went back and forth and then later I, I joined. Isn't that a, incredible, dude? It is. I well, and later I joined a band called We As Human, and we wound up yeah. signing with Atlantic and doing all this really cool stuff. But that I 
joined the band through MySpace. They posted a bulletin <laughs> looking for a guitarist, and I lived in little old Podunk, New Mexico, and uh, and yeah, I don't know MySpace. I miss it. Social media, MySpace yeah. changed the music industry. It did. I mean, it, it, it really did. It did. Um, so it absolutely did. It's so. When did the name change happen? When you were working with Hesla or in that process? Of- uh, yeah. Well, um, actually, right after we did those two songs with Hesla, we started negotiating with labels. I think there's a Christian band. They had Embers Fade in their name. I don't remember what it was. It wasn't Embers Fade. But we were just like, uh, we're kind of rebranding ourselves totally anyway. You know, We discussed like what the band name was going to be, and it was between Framing Hanley or MySpace Band. So we went with friend. No, it was, uh, no, it was uh, a, a very, very close friend of ours. She was kind of like, you know, the, the sixth member of our band. Her name is Ashley Hanley. And uh, she was there at every rehearsal, like, like really, again, just like another part of our band. And um, she did the photography for a band, you know, among other things. And uh, she passed away during all of this. We were tracking actually with Hesla, like that whole time period. Uh, she was in a car accident, passed away. And it just, you know, it seemed like the least we could do for someone that meant so much to us. You know, framing was more of a preserving, a, you know, a, a memory of a person by putting their, their photograph in a picture frame. And that's where the framing aspect of that came with. And then Hanley being her last name. So, uh, wow. yeah, I mean, it just seemed, it kind of, you know, we knew we were changing our name anyway, and it just seemed like, again, the, the very least that we could do for somebody that meant so much to us. Dude, I didn't, I don't know if I've heard that. Um, you might have told me years ago, but I, don't, I, don't, I didn't remember that. But man, that's deep. You guys changed the name, recorded with Hesla, got a, a record deal. Who'd you guys sign with initially? Uh, Silent Majority Group was the name of the label. They Je- were uh, Jeff Hansen. Yep, yep. Um, and then you guys started making a, a full length album, um, The Moment. Correct, mm-hmm. and yeah. that came out two thousand seven, two thousand eight, somewhere in that August, August seventh, two thousand seven. Uh, uh, there, there was a bonus track that we haven't mentioned up until this point. Um, mm-hmm. That was a cover of a popular, I guess, hip hop song at the time mm-hmm. um, called "Lollipop" by Lil Wayne. Yeah. I, that song did interesting things for you guys, right? Oh, I mean, 100%. See, the, the backstory behind this is, uh, is, is, I would say, pretty fascinating, really, because what happened with us is, you know, as I said, Hear Me Now is our first single. Uh, we, we put it out. We go out. We hit the road. Got some cool tours and sports lots, you know, weren't pay- making anything then because, uh, you know, we were a baby band, hadn't really... You know, hadn't paid our dues. Hear me now, without it radio, um, it did well, especially, you know, for a baby band. I know we were the number one most played song, like on Sirius Octane, like over like Diary of Jane, like, mm. which is a huge deal for us again because we're like, oh, dude, cool, people love this song. Right. Um, it, it charted pretty pretty well at Active Rock Media Base. And uh, then the scariest moment for a baby band ever happens, and it's the label doesn't know what the second single is. The label doesn't know if we've got a second single. The label doesn't know if <laughs> maybe we need to get back in the studio and start working on follow-ups this album and strike while the iron's hot. But reluctant, reluctantly, we're like, all right, cool. We're, we got some, some badass songs that we've been working on on tour. I'm, I'm cool. We get this in the studio. We can start laying these down and 
or lay any sound and, and show uh, you know, show the the label that the second album is going to be what does it for us. So we get in the studio, we start tracking, and we had played the show. Let me back up a little bit. Ryan, our original guitar player had back surgery, had to go home. We had his best friend Ryan uh, fill in for Tim. That ended up becoming a full-time thing. Well, we were like, all right, Ryan, cool. You want the slot? You're in the band. We had our first show in Nashville with him as an official member. We wanted to do something different. Lollipop was all over the charts. Now, obviously, you can't go to a bar or a club right. or anything without hearing Little Wings Lollipop. Yeah. And I was like, man, it'd be funny if at this show um, if we just did a rock version of Little Wings Lollipop. Like, everyone's going to know that song. Let's do something different instead of, you know, the hometown show. It's your first show as an official member of the band. So we do this. It ends up hitting YouTube. Fast forward a few months later, we get told, hey, we want you guys to come to the studio. Uh, start tracking the second album. We go in the studio. While we're there, they're like, hey, hey while you're in the studio, why don't you guys record a version of that cover that you did? Whoa. Uh, we're like, all right. I mean, what are we going to do? And we thought that, you know, really, it's kind originally, of it was just going to be a, a MySpace exclusive thing. You know, I, I don't don't quote me exactly on what the, the time frame was, but I mean, the moment had already been out. Like, a, I want to say like eight months to a year at this point. It had been released. So the album's and already out. We're in there work- yeah, we're in there working on our second album. And the label asked us to, to track that. And we're like, all right, cool. We'll throw up on MySpace. Maybe this will get some people, you know, some traffic to where we can keep them in, in touch while we're tracking the second album. So we record it, give it to them. It goes unmixed to Scratch and Sniff, which is a syndicated radio station played on, you know, hundreds of stations throughout the United States. Yeah. And usually they take a rock song and a rap song and they'll mix it together. And that was like the perfect medium for that song. We had no idea that was the plan. And it blows up overnight, man. <laughs> like they're like, all right, we gotta we gotta hold off on working on the second album. We're getting tour offers now, or you know, hey, you can come play this show. And you know, at that point we go from being a baby band to having a draw, having a reason, you know, people are coming out to see us. And they re-released the album with that as a single. Uh, that single went on the chart, you know, really well at Alternative. Uh, we, we never had had success at Alternative before. Ryan Seacrest played it on you know, a portion of it on his America Top 40. Oh, my gosh. Um, it, it was just, it was not supposed to happen, man. And it did. And, um, it, you know, it, they re-released the album. We went on tour and supported that album then for another another year and a half. We went from, you know, that album being out like six months and thinking, oh man, it's dead in the water. But then we breathe new life. It has new life breathed into it for a period of two, two and a half years headlining as a band that was not in any position to be headlining. We were terrible then. (laughs) Oh my God. Looking back at that, we we always said it at the end too. (laughs) Dude, that song, uh, your cover of Lollipop went, uh, it charted on the U.S. pop charts. It charted on the U.S. main rock charts. The alternative charts, as well as the uh, the Hot 100, um, uh, four different charts, and then was certified gold. Yes, yeah. yeah, but I, I think it's the certification is, is maybe platinum now. Um, I just don't want to want to pay to to get that black. It's like, all right, cool. <laughs> That's another I'm secret. We haven't, that we haven't even talked <laughs> about that yet. Yeah, when an artist goes, you know, is certified, you know, gold, platinum, whatever the artist oftentimes has to pay to get it hundreds of yeah, dollars just to get a plaque. Yeah. You to buy your yeah, own or plaque. Yeah, the label will get it, but you're paying for that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, that's another story. Yeah. 
dude, we should have you back on when we talk about that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I want to say this. I was out. So the year it's 2008, I think. Yep. That makes perfect sense. So I was working two jobs at the time. I was working at a medical clinic during the day and then I was working at Walmart at night and then I had a band and a recording studio all of all at the same time. And uh and I, so I would work at Walmart from like 5 to to midnight. And I remember being there and one of the one of my coworkers being like, "Dude, you got to hear this song." And it was you guys' version of Lollipop and just thinking, "Holy crap, this is I, in my opinion, I thought it was a thousand times better than the original. Thank you, man. I mean, thankfully, a lot of people thought that or felt that way. And uh, again, it's just the thing that always uh, surprises people is just again, it was never meant to happen. You know, that wasn't. It was just we didn't record throw it on the end of a set. Gonna, yeah, and um, I read an interview not too long ago with Tyson Holler from uh, from Warner, and they asked him what his biggest regret was. And the you know he, that dude's done millions of things at Warner. Um, and the, his biggest regret, and uh, he said that that we really didn't push lo- Framing Animals Lollipop at <laughs> pop radio at pop radio the way we wanted to. And he believed that was a top five pop song. And back then, pop radio was changed it. Right back then, exactly. pop radio was still playing rock. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You you could have guitar in your in your songs at pop. Back then. <laughs> Nixon, I've got two questions for you in, in the course of this, this, I mean, ever, let's say ever hear from Lil Wayne. Did he ever acknowledge this? Have you heard him? Have you met him? Uh, no, we became friends with his band, his live band and like his, uh, his music director for like their tour hit us up on Twitter said that he had just heard it. It was like a, actually their tour bus driver had played it, asked him if he had heard it and they were blown away. They invited us out to a show at, I think it was Verizon Wireless Amphitheater in West Virginia, I think. And we uh, we went there and we're like, "Oh, cool! We're gonna we're gonna meet Weezy tonight." And uh, he's like, a, he was like Elvis, man. Like as soon as the show was <laughs> over, he dipped dipped out, and, you know, which understandable. I mean, right. you know, getting that dude back to the hotel. Um, but we hung out with this, with the band. I will say, out of all the things that song did, one of the proudest things for me was that we went and saw them live. The version of the song they played live was our version. What guitar? Yeah, and they absolutely told us that it was like that. And we inspired that. The, the drums were like Chris. They, it wasn't the synth, the piano. It was it was guitar. Um, Lil Wayne had a girl that was on tour with them at the time come out and basically sing my melody. The melody that in the chorus is like a Whoa. harmony in the in the choruses with him. So, what more can happen to make you be like, all right, cool? Well, you know what I'm saying, like. Especially for a period there when, you know, you start to get burnt out on the fact that people know you because of a cover song. And then you go and see them playing, the original artist playing the version. <laughs> so closer to your version, or if not your version completely. You, it's, it's a little easier to swallow. Yeah, you covered his song, and then they covered your cover of his song. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the original <laughs> band covered their covered a cover of their song, of their own song. So you set this up perfectly, because my second question was, I mean... Lollipop did great things for the success of Framie Hanley and brought in a lot of new fans and got you some attention to shed some light on your original compositions. And it goes without mm-hmm. saying, you guys were a fantastic band. Your music totally stands on yeah. its own. Yeah, I was a fan. Um, and was there ever at times, my second question, where you wished Lollipop would go away or that you you thought maybe like, I don't want to be 
like that's that's not framing Hanley. That was a that was a fun thing, and thanks for the the, the experience. However, we are deeper than that, and we have these songs, which I mean, obviously charted later. But uh, was that a thing, or did you care? No, dude, we definitely cared. Again, just because you know we faced a lot of flack from from other artists. They're like, oh, they took the easy way to the top, they, and it was like. The, the thing that pissed me off most about that, again, is what I've said a hundred times already in this, is that it was never the, the intention. We didn't record that song thinking like, oh, we're, we're going to release this and then our lives are going to change. So, yeah, man, I mean, it, it definitely became bitter. Uh, you know, there, it reached a time period where I refused to play that song live. You know, over time, I realized how fortunate and lucky we were, though. The, the fact of the matter is, you know, we were out not getting paid anything, opening up for bands, you know, again, because we were paying our dues to where that all of a sudden put us in a position where we could go out headline, sell out, you know, consistently for a year and a half every night, wherever we go and pay bills, take care of, you know, of things back home that we had responsibilities to take care of at that point. And we were uh, fortunate to have people that stuck around for a long time and bought our albums after that first album because of that song. And, you know, still to this day, yeah, it sucks when people are like, oh, you're, you were in Framing Hanley. That sounds familiar. Why would I know you? And they're uh, like, uh, we covered Lil Wayne's Lollipop. But I, I want to I say something really quick. Uh, two things. Um, one, uh, something our podcast does is uncovers the fact that this is the entertainment industry long before it is ever the music industry in all mm-hmm. aspects Unfortunately, the music is is important, but it is the last piece of the puzzle. To that, also, I will say that as we've as we've already mentioned in this podcast, there are so many artists who built their entire careers on cover songs. I'm not talking about obscure artists. How about uh, Led Zeppelin? Most mm-hmm. of all of their hits were covers. Uh, Elvis <laughs> Presley, Hound Dog, cover. That's a cover song. Um, you know, I, tons of massive songs, no doubt to, to, to be down on yourself or for anyone in the music industry ever to come down on you guys for rising to the top through a cover song, I think is just foolish and, and child, I mean, it's childish because they, they're just simply wishing they had done it first. Haters. Yeah. Um, so I, just a, a question for you. What would you say is framing Hanley's best song what it, What are you most proud of maybe one that even no one di- maybe didn't get the light that it should have gotten what does nixon think should have been the the big thing probably cast away on our last album it was just funny because we ended up breaking up after that album but like uh i'd say break up disbanding or gone it wasn't like we were like oh screw you screw you i'm going <laughs> home you're cool right. no, it, was, uh, <laughs> it was that song was kind of in a lot of ways a goodbye to our fans uh, I knew it very much when I was writing it, even though it's like, you know, I'll go down with the ship, which is what we did. I mean, we went down with the ship. It was, uh, that's a, that's a song I'm, I'm really proud of. I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like that entire last album was for me, we said a lot of things and had closure on a lot of things for our career that I wanted to be sure, you know, was brought up. We also have uh, a number of songs that we were, Ryan and I were working on. Uh, in case we did another album after that, that uh, that we'll see the light of day here soon Ooh. on our new project. We've got Sumner Roots. We're now writing the best music that we've ever written, and I've been writing with that dude for um, the better part of the last decade now, so it's pretty exciting to say that. 
So there, there are new <laughs> tunes coming coming from from the ashes of Framing Hanley, I guess, if you want to call it that way. Yeah, man. We uh, You can check out on SoundCloud now. We have a song called Maze. Just uh, Google Sumner Roots. That's Sumner with an N, not Summer. Sumner is in Sumner County, where Ryan and I are from here in Tennessee. Sumner Roots. And uh, uh, check us out on Twitter, at Sumner Roots, on Facebook, at Sumner Roots. I'm very excited about what's coming up and, and can't wait to share more with everybody. That is very exciting. Nixon, from the band Framing Hanley, now uh, Sumner Roots, look them up. Uh, we are honored to have you on here. So thank, so thank you so much for just taking the time to talk to us today. Dude, thanks for having me. Uh, you know, We're practically neighbors, and like I said, next time <laughs> I'm going to come over for that, that poker game. Uh, poker night over at the studio. Anybody listening, come on out. We're not going to tell you when, but uh, Nixon will be there. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it was good talking to you. Thank you so much. Thank hey, you. Thanks for having me, guys. Always good to talk to uh, someone else in the industry and kind of shed some light on, on an insider's point of view. I mean, I learned some interesting things and I've known that guy for years. Yeah, I, you know, and he, he talked about, uh, you know, how sometimes he wishes that they just were not known as a cover band. But again, there you go. I mean, we just listed off several examples of artists and bands who you you didn't know that, that, that their most popular song or some of their most popular songs were actually cover songs. And like he said, um, in other countries, they didn't know that Lollipop was not a Framing Hanley song. But uh, they're so talented. Their, their music is so talented. And I can't wait to hear the Sumner Roots music, which I'm yeah. going to listen to right now. Check it out on SoundCloud. Well, if you have any questions about what we've talked about on this episode or have any other, did you know this was a cover or my favorite cover is statements, send them to us. I want to I hear, I, I know that there's plenty more that uh, we didn't even talk about. Because we could have gone on for hours and hours, but we already know that this podcast is longer than than intended. But we just had so much information to cram in there. So if you have one of those, send them to us um, on Instagram or Turned Up. You can send us a message, at, which is at Turned Up Podcast. Uh, and then, of course, Facebook. Go on our Facebook page, like us, message us. We we read those and we respond. And it's Facebook.com slash Turned Up Podcast. And as you already know, you're already listening to us, but please subscribe on iTunes or just go to www.turnedupodcast.com. Which- Who, listen, you old man. Who says www.anymore to anything ever? Let's try it this way. www. Oh, that's good. Yeah, that's that's going back to Bush. www.turnedupodcast.com. Uh, <laughs> and that'll take you to our uh, to a page, basically, that has links to our iTunes account and Stitcher and whatever else you want to listen to us on. But we would really, actually, if you have iTunes, go up there and subscribe and rate and review us based off of if you think we're doing a good job. Because that actually helps us out and helps other people find us. That's right. So, uh, oh, from last podcast, this has changed. All of our fake negative reviews that someone had had sabotaged us with have been removed. Right. Uh, apparently someone didn't like us being number one for so long so uh but we are still number one and we have zero negative reviews which is awesome yeah uh and very grateful to itunes for taking care of that for us okay we have to hint a little bit about what we're going to talk about next week because i'm really excited about it i am excited about this one any fans of the olympics Ooh. okay so we're going to talk with uh olympic gold medalist world champion skater scott hamilton about music in sports and music i've always wondered do they get to pick the music that they that they perform to are they so sick of that song by the time the performance comes around that they just hate it 
or like this is my favorite song I really want to skate to this song um, I can't wait to do it but we're going to ask them some interesting questions and we're going to get personal about it you're, you're definitely going to want to tune into that absolutely uh, a huge thank you to Real Sound Productions for helping us put this together this week thank you hallelujah glory amen uh, thank you thank you Real Sound for that this podcast was recorded, edited, and mixed by Jake Jones. Jake Jones. Tons of research done by Mr. Jones as well. I'm Jake Jones. Thank you again to our special guest, uh, Nixon from the band Framing Hanley and Sumner Roots. Dude is so talented. Thank you for, for being on. Thank you, Robert, for keeping my seat warm. I did keep the seat warm the entire time. That is, you are so sweet. I'm very accommodating in that in that way. Uh, Robert, man, you uh, this guy does so much for this podcast. Special thanks to you for listening to us. Uh, we we are grateful, honestly humbled and grateful that you listen to us every week. And all the messages that we get uh, from you, is they're awesome. We, we thank you for subscribing. We thank you right now for, uh, for, for actually saying we look forward to Mondays because that's our favorite day of the week when the new Turned Up podcast comes out. Those, those make us smile. That does, and it it gives Robert gas. So, which uh, is normal. Hey, well, one more time. Thank you, thank Real Sound, thank you, Robert, thank you, Jake, thanks, and, Nixon, and thank you, Nixon, especially. I got nothing else. Come back next week. Let's go play checkers. Love checkers. See ya, Nashville. Signing out. Peace. Peace.